family, welcome to the Sophia McBride podcast. You will learn about prayer, prophecy, deliverance, and so much more. Your family, so go ahead and follow us on all social media platforms. This season is called Deliverance for Real and for Life. Now, let's get into the new episode. Welcome to the Sophia McBride podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. I am so grateful for all the wonderful things that God is doing in our ministry. I want to thank Charisma Magazine for allowing us to be part of their podcast. What a tremendous honor. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. God has shown us great favor and there has been so many questions and so many comments coming in. I thank you so much for sending me your encouragement and letting me know that this podcast is reaching you right where you are. You would not believe the amount of people who have said to me, this is a rhema word, amen, meaning that it is a right now on time word. So I want to pray and today we're going to do something a little different because of all the questions that have come in. I want to address those questions today. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you full of faith in the name of Jesus, believing that you love us, you care for us, and that you want to work on our behalf. God, we trust you. Father, we ask you to come into this recording. We ask you, oh God, to to, to give us answers and to reach us and meet us right where we are. Lord, I thank you that you're going to meet the listener right where they are. You're going to answer questions. You're going to heal and deliver and set them free from the attacks and the bondage of the enemy. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So before we get started today, I really want to give you some scripture. Scripture is important because it always gives us relevance to what we are talking about. And I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about getting free from demonic oppression. And look, if it didn't come from the word of God, then hey, I don't want it. I don't know about you. If it's not in the word, I'm not interested. Glory be to God. So today I want to read a couple of scriptures to let you know we are in the Bible and what we're teaching is biblical. Amen. So let's go to Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. And it reads, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire, oft into the water 
and I brought him to thy disciples and they could not cure him. 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, glory to God, and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Thank you, Jesus. I'm in 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall be removed and nothing shall be impossible unto you. 21. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. I read to you Matthew 17, 14 through 21. What a tremendous scripture. Oh my goodness. I could preach so many different <laughs> messages just from that one piece of scripture. What's important to know is that deliverance is for the believer, not for the unbeliever. Amen. I'm going to come and teach again on that 21st verse at another time. Amen. 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 I also wanted to read to you Luke 4 and 18. Luke 4 and 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive. There it is right there. To preach deliverance to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind. There's that healing to set at liberty them that are bruised. Luke 4 and 18. So for those tiny few people who have said negative comments about deliverance, I want you to know that we're only doing what Jesus has called us to do. We're not making it up. It's not fake. It is real. And it is for the believer. Deliverance is for the believer. And Jesus wants you and your family to be free. The only requirement to deliverance is that you are a faith-filled believer. Amen? In Jesus Christ. Let me add that. You are a faith-filled believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And that is according to Romans 10, 9, 
and 10. Amen. Glory to God. So I want to get into some of the questions that have been posed to me. And I think the answer to these questions will minister to you. Amen. Number one, how many years have you been in ministry? How many years have you been in ministry? Well, I've been in ministry for quite a long time now. I know I don't look it, (laughs) but I've been in ministry quite a long time. Uh, I will say, see, before you're in ministry, you're in training. Amen. So I was in training for several years. And so I would say I've been in ministry, meaning ministering to others and have seen them free since the year 2000. And I was ordained as an evangelist in the churches of God in Christ. I was ordained in 2004 by the late Bishop Otis Lockett and C.E. Anderson, who was my bishop at the time. Amen. So my bishop, the late Bishop Otis Lockett, saw some things in me that maybe I didn't even see in myself at the time. and. Even then, and and way back then, he pronounced over my life, you are a prophet and you shall walk in the prophetic. And he told me then you're called to the office of a prophet. Just because you are a prophetic person does not mean that you're called to the office of a prophet. Prophetic people honestly come from spending time with God. And as you develop that relationship with God and he can trust you, he will begin to tell you his secrets. So sometimes when people receive prophetic information from God, they automatically assume that they're called to the office of a prophet. However, that is something different. We can talk about that at another time. Amen. Pause. Hey family, are you following us on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook? If not, go ahead and follow or subscribe at Sophia Ford McBride. Now let's get back into the word. The next question I received was who ordained you? And I believe I just answered that was the late Bishop Otis Lockett under the leadership of our jurisdictional bishop, C.E. Anderson at the time. And that was in 2004. Later on, in fact, much later on, I was promoted to a national evangelist in the churches of God in Christ under the leadership of Bishop J. Drew Sheard, who is currently the leader and the Bishop of the Churches of God in Christ. So I have been in ministry for 23 years, and it has always been under the under the tutelage of the Churches of God in Christ. Amen? The next question that I received was, how did you know that you were called into ministry? And were there any signs before you got saved? 
Well, I think that's a tremendous, a wonderful question. I actually got saved at nine years old. And when I say I got saved at nine, I know a lot of kids go up to, um, they get, they get baptized, but they may not be aware or in full knowledge of what they're doing. Well, I'm telling you at nine years old, I got saved and I wanted to be saved. And I remember telling my mother, in fact, that entire week, I want to get saved and I want to go up to the altar. I want to be, I want to know that I am part of the kingdom of God. Now there's, there's something to that. Let me talk a little bit about that. Something very traumatic happened in my life at about eight and a half years old. My father was a schizophrenic that was induced uh, by drugs, illicit drugs such as LSD. I have been told that the drugs were put in his drink. He was a tri-star, meaning that he was a basketball star, a football star, and a baseball star. He also ran track. He even played pro uh, pro football for a short period of time, but the mental illness hindered him in a tremendous way. Uh, so he was not able to continue to play pro football. But my father actually killed his own mother, who he was extremely close to, who he he loved. I mean, you you have to understand they had a very special relationship. And so when he killed his mother, um, it was, (laughs) there are really no words to describe the horrific impact it made to the family and not just my father's family, but my mother and I, they were divorced at the time and had been divorced for quite some time. But from that point on, I never saw my father again until he was in the casket, okay, when he passed away. Now, I'm not sure if many of you know what schizophrenia is, but people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia actually hear voices. And these voices tell them bad things to do. And often until they do what the voices tell them to do, hmm, sounds sounds something, that's some deliverance in there, but if until they do what the voices tell them to do, the voices are screaming and constantly saying, do this bad thing or do that. And interestingly, once they do what the voices tell them to do, typically the voices will stop for that time. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So he killed his mother. I want to say to you, I've, you know, had an opportunity as an adult to talk to some of his very close family members. And one in particular shared something with me. She told me that after this happened, that he kept calling the house. He was in jail. And he kept calling the house and she kept trying to tell him what happened. And she said it took her three times to tell him what happened before he could actually receive it. Because you have to understand, like I said, he was very close to his mother. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to get back to the question. And 
he, once she, she said that third time that she told him, he finally heard, like he could hear her. And he said, what? And she said, he just screamed. She said, I never heard a person scream the way I heard him scream. I've never heard that come out of another human body because he realized that whether you want to call it the enemy or the sickness used him to kill the closest person to him. Now, why does that relate to my salvation? Well, when this happened, for me, it was very traumatic. I had family members that were cursing me out. Remember, I was eight and a half years old. I had family members lashing out at me, saying horrible things to me. I also had adults in my church saying horrific things to me. Uh, trying to embarrass me. It, It was a very difficult time. But what I knew deep down in my spirit, and I must tell you that it only could have been Jesus. Oh, glory to God. It only could have been the Holy Ghost operating in my life at that early age. I knew that Jesus had me. And when people would ask me, are you okay? My response to them, now I'm eight and a half years old. My response to them was, Jesus got me. And so Jesus was ministering to me. He covered my mind. He kept me, my God. So, and I knew it deep down on the inside at that early age. And so I wanted to make sure that I was part of the kingdom of God. And so at nine years old, I was saved. Now I was not filled with the Holy Spirit until I was 24 years old. And what I mean is with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God had already been transforming my life, but I wasn't filled with the evidence of of speaking with speaking in tongues until I was 24 years old. The second part of that question was, were there signs? Yes, there was signs. There were many signs. I just told you one big sign of how the Lord was keeping me, covering me. And I never felt alone during those times. I can say there were other times in my life where I kind of felt, oh, you know, and Jesus had to remind me I'm with you. But in that time, Oh, I knew, I knew that Jesus was with me. It was an, um, it was amazing to see the protection of the Lord on your life and your mind. Because remember, people, it, the people were ugly to me. People were mean. They were just downright mean. But Jesus loved me and kept me. And I'm so eternally grateful for what God did for me. So there were signs, I will say, even of the prophetic gift in my life. Many times the Lord will tell me uh, things that were going to happen, or he would tell me about people. And so I remember this very close person in my life was dating this man. And I remember telling her, he is married. He is married. Now, you know, I'm a little girl. And I said, he is married. 
Come to find out <laughs> just a few months down the road, uh, he was absolutely married. Okay. So I, I just remember that one because she was connecting to him and he kept talking to her about marriage and she, uh, you know, was making all these plans, but Jesus told me, the Holy ghost told me that he was a married man. So many, many things like that happened. Many, many visions as a child happened. Uh, and so I also remember being 18 years old. I was in college at Florida A&M University in Tallahassee, Florida. And I went to Wales Memorial, a well-known church of God in Christ church there. And one of the prophets of the house came up to me. And not only did he come, I guess, because I was a young woman, he brought a woman with him and he had a word from the Lord for me at 18. And he began to prophesy to me about being a prophet. And at the time, <laughs> you know, I was like, what are you talking about? I, because in the churches that I had grown up in real quickly, my uncle James was a pastor in the church of God in Christ. But my mother's home church was Reverend Samuel Billy Cow's church in Memphis, Tennessee. He is deceased now, but the name of the church was monumental. And I grew up in a Baptist church, but then when my uncle started his church, we went to help him in his ministry. I did not return back home to my home church until I was a senior in high school. And so, and fully active in both churches, singing in the choir and working in ministry my whole life, because that's all I knew. My mother was even a worker bee. We have to talk about my mother at another time, but she was a worker bee. She knew how to work in the church. <laughs> Amen. So. We worked in ministry and we were part of that. And so I got both sides. I was able to grow up in the Pentecostal as well as the Baptist church. However, however, I did not, the teaching was not progressive in either church, meaning this, I didn't know anything about the supernatural. I did not know anything about God is healing right now. Amen. It's not just in the Bible. It's not in the past, but he's still healing today. I did not. The teaching was more about the stories of the Bible, but not practical teaching that I could apply to myself today. And that's why I say I really didn't get I did not get filled with the Holy Spirit till I was 24 years old in Memphis, Tennessee. I was attending World Overcomers. My pastor at that time was the Apostle A.R. Williams. And that ministry where the Lord allowed me to sit there for two solid years. Can I tell you that in that two years, God did a major, mighty work in me. I, I was like a sponge. I absorbed the word. I studied, fasted, prayed. God poured into me and my cup was just running over. I, I mean, it was so full of the word, so powerful, so authentic, integral. And 
rhema, amen. And it was for me at that time. And I will say that's where God really did the greatest work in me at that time. It was, I've never experienced anything like it. I've, and I'm so grateful for the two years that God allowed me. And I did look, that was the only time in my life where I didn't minister in church in any way. I didn't sing in the choir. I didn't direct the choir because typically when you have gifts like that, people want you to be in the, on the praise team, leading the praise team, directing the choir. But that was the time where I was able to sit and receive and God pour into me. And I, I'm telling you, I was fat on the word, glory to God. So the answer to the question was, there were many signs that I was called into the ministry. Of course, there were times when the prophetic would come forth and people would declare it over my life. There were many dreams I had. I remember having a dream where God called me into intercession. The dream, um, I remember I was in Memphis, Tennessee. I was actually still living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. And I dreamt that there were firemen. I was driving down the street and there were firemen and right ahead was a fire. And the firemen were reaching for me. And so I, I, at first I was afraid because I was trying to think, why are you reaching for me? And then I remember one, re he, re he was reaching for me and then he went down to, gr to the ground and he, he was in a bowed position and I could hear him saying something, but I didn't know what he was saying. But again, I saw that fire. And I was trying to go in the direction where the fire was. But at that moment, I could not go. And behind the fire was a city. And so I woke up. Well, for me, that it was very disturbing. And part of the way God develops us is he allows us to have these dreams that perplex us. And why does he do that? He does that. So we will search. We will search the word. We will search through prayer and we will fast until we get the answer to that dream. And so as I searched and I was trying to find out, God, what are you trying to say to me? I realized that in the spirit realm, firemen are indicative of intercessors. And so when he reached for me, and I could even hear it when he reached for me, he was saying, God wants you to become an intercessor. And that's why he went down to the ground and he began to pray. And the reason why I couldn't understand what he was saying was because he was speaking in other tongues between him and God. And so the fire was indicative of the glory and the fire and the power of God. And it was twofold. God was saying, you're going to have to go through the fire in order to be endowed with the fire. See, the anointing does cost. People can call themselves whatever title they want to call them. But until you have been victorious through a trial, you are not equipped to walk anybody through anything. 
And so God allows us oftentimes to go through the fire, to go through trial after trial, because he's building our faith. And then once we get through one thing, thing and then we get through another thing, we, our faith is built and we know one, that God is with us. And number two, that I, you know what? I can make it. And now I know how to help others make it too. Amen. So part of ministry and this is the part that we don't like. And unfortunately, this is why we have so many people who are, um, they may even have a gift, but they may, but they're not endowed with the power of the Holy Ghost operating in their life. So when they speak a word, it is not infused with the anointing of God, with the power of God to cause it to activate. Amen. So. In that dream, that was a major call there for me, a major call, because once he called me to that intercession and I accepted the call, then he was able to really begin to flush the old out and insert the new, which was through the word of God. Thank you, Lord. Pause. For more information on today's topic, go to sophiamcbride.com, sophiamcbride.com. You will find many more resources that covers this topic and so much more, including Prophetess Sophia McBride's book, Hell's Enemy, Warfare Prayer, The Save a Nation. Now let's get back into the word. Thank you, Lord. Why Deliverance Ministry? Well, I did not pick deliverance ministry. In fact, I would not have picked deliverance ministry because of the tremendous warring in the spirit. And when you are being developed in deliverance ministry, the warfare, let me say what that means. When I say warfare, I mean two things. One, the attacks of the enemy. And then I also mean that warfare could be, uh, it's, it, it is still the attacks of the enemy, but trial after trial after trial. And those trials are so intense and they're so uh, often that you are sometimes overwhelmed in the beginning when God is training you. Yes, there is divine protection meaning that you will not succumb, meaning that if you stand in Christ that you and you continue to read your word and you continue to fast and pray and seek him and love him and grow in him, if you do those things and you are integral, you're not, you don't have one foot in and one foot out, though these attacks are coming, Remember, the, and that's why I talk about it in my book, putting on the full armor of God every day, it, because if you are going through a text, you better have your armor on. There's something called the shield of faith. 
So the attacks are coming, but they're not overtaking you. They're not causing you to drown. And, and sometimes it seems like they will, but remember, you have that shield of faith on glory to God, and it's keeping you from being overtaken by the enemy. So that's what I mean by warfare attacks of the enemy. Okay. So the attacks of the enemy with deliverance ministry are extreme in nature, especially in the beginning. Why? Why is that? Well, because it is the enemy's objective to keep you from developing. It is, it is his objective to stop you. And oftentimes he's able to do that because most people buckle under the pressure. So why deliverance ministry? And I did speak about this in part in uh, one of the earlier episodes of the podcast, uh, deliverance ministry was thrust upon me because of it. The first thing that happened, there were things happening in my marriage that I did not understand. Okay. Secondly, um, in there was this spirit of fear that had overtaken my household and it was so pronounced that, and, and, and the enemy, he, he was just showing his behind his, uh, he was, his cohorts, his demons were walking up and down our steps at night. They were wreaking, reaping havoc in my home. So as I had developed, I was a great intercessor at that time, but I didn't understand what was happening hither. <laughs> okay. So what I did, I started studying about deliverance. Like, why are these, why is this happening? What is going on? And I have even, if you look at some of our reels, we've shown some of the books, man, there's so many books though, right? But some of the books that helped us uh, help me and my husband as we were developing in deliverance ministry. And so as we were, I was just studying and, and pursuing the Lord, trying to get answers. And I found out that there were some legal rights that the enemy could attack my family. For example, if I had things in my house that were of the occult. Now I didn't have this in my house, but I'm just going to say this. Ouija boards, that's an open door. Okay. Again, if you listen to some of the podcasts, I talk about this more in depth. Okay. Uh, but some of the things that we did have, let me tell you, were gifts that were given to us by others. For example, fertility gods. So we had to get rid of that. Some of the music that we had in our home, we had to get rid of those types of things and some of the pictures in our house. And then the question would be, okay, how did you know uh, what pictures? I let the Holy Spirit tell me. How did I know what music? I let the Holy Ghost direct me and to, to what I needed to get rid of and what I could keep. And I could say this was not a one-time thing. Uh, it was 
if if sometimes people give you gifts and you don't know that they are of the occult, the Holy Spirit will have to tell you. Uh, I can tell you of something that happened recently in my home. And when I say recently, in the last two years, uh, my youngest baby, she, she we call her our unexpected blessing. And I'm going to get back to the question. She was having night terror dreams and I could not understand why, because, you know, I've written books about for children and I've seen so much deliverance in, and when parents would pray the prayers over their children before they go to bed at night, I can't, I would, I cannot tell you the number of testimony of testimonies that I have received regarding hell's enemy warfare prayer to save our youth probably more than any of my books, that book, because people are suffering with their kids and they don't know what to do. And so that particular book has received hundreds of testimonies where people, I'm saying they take the time to write the testimony and send it to me, you know, so that is very, um, I'm so grateful that God allowed that word to come through me so that people could have great deliverance or children could have great deliverance. Amen. So I didn't understand why she was having these dreams because I was continuing to pray. And so holy, and I begin to pray and fast, God, where is the open door? Is there some sin I don't know about? Or is there something in my house that I'm not familiar with? Let me tell you what happened. One day I just happened to be looking at a picture on my phone of me and my daughter, my older daughter. And in the background, I saw this, this thing that my husband actually brought from Israel when he went. And it was supposed to be on the front of it was the ephod, which is what they would wear as they go, um, as the priest would go into the temple. And so they would wear it and had the stones on it. And it actually had a blessing on the front. Well, on the back, oh my goodness, was a Hindu sign, which it even had a prayer in it, but it was Hindu. And it was honoring a Hindu God. You have to understand that I've had that in my house for years. So when I saw it, it was like a ton of bricks hit me because I've had that at my door for years. Even if we moved, I still would put it at the door because Part of the prayer is as you enter the front part of the prayer is as you enter my house, may the blessings of God come upon you. And I think it says, and may nothing of the enemy enter something like that. I don't know, but I, I saw it. The Lord allowed me to see it because I had been praying about it. Interestingly, my youngest daughter, heavenly, she told me that she had been dreaming of that very emblem. I did, I could not believe it. And that is where the night terrors were coming from. Those were the dreams that she was having. And so we immediately, and it was metal, so I couldn't burn it that time, but immediately I wrapped it up in several bags because I didn't want somebody else to get a hold to it. 
and I put it in the trash. I got it at my house immediately. And can I tell you, once we prayed and repented for having that in our home, we had no idea because again, on the front, it looked just, it would look wonderful. It looked like it was something from the Jewish culture. So <clears throat> we just, <laughs> we had no idea, but on the back, the enemy, you see how calculating he is. But after we prayed, after we repented, do you know she never had another one of those dreams? So why deliverance ministry? I didn't pick deliverance ministry. It's almost like God picked it for me. Maybe he picked it for me because he knew I would stand the test. I don't know. But one thing I do know is that it's for the believer. God wants us free. I know that the, the self-deliverance that took place in me through prayer and fasting and being very, um, praying bullseye prayers about things that were operating in my life from uh, breaking generational curses of addiction, breaking generational, generational curses of incest that happened on both sides of my family, breaking generational curses of mental illness. Glory to God. I thank God that he allowed me to know that these things do not have to perpetuate. These things do not have to be in my family line. I, these things can be broken and we can receive the DNA, glory to God, of Jesus Christ. And, and why his DNA? Because it's perfect. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So. I didn't pick deliverance ministry. Jesus picked it for me. I do want you to know that we prayed and fasted for seven days, no food, just water for seven days. We had scriptures breaking that, that we would rehearse and pray and confess twice a day in the morning and at night on the seventh day, about two o'clock in the morning, it all broke. And so uh, that that was happening in our home with the demons walking up and down the steps. My children waking up out of their sleep, screaming because of the demons, uh, because of the dreams they were having. Of course, this was before I had written any books because God was still developing me and teaching me how to pray. Um, those things broke. Glory to God. And through the years, even more deliverance would come through the years. And so, um, and I know some people teach that, you know, you can get delivered all at one time. I don't believe that. I believe that you get the deliverance that you can withstand at the time. You walk that out through Christ and through the word of God. And then, and then after you've walked that out for a while, God, there will be more deliverance as you pursue it. But there's, it's not a one-time phenomenon. Amen. Hey family, we just want to say thank you for listening. We appreciate all of the comments, questions, and support that you've showcased the Sophia McBride podcast. We truly appreciate you. If you haven't already, check out Prophetess Sophia's children's book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? 
You can find this book and many more at SophiaMcBride.com. Now let's get back into the word. You know what? I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I pray that deliverance is coming to your life by listening to the teachings and even maybe even answering these questions. You know how to reach me. You can reach me at sophiamcbride.com. You can leave me a message there and, and we will respond to you. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you. And I'll talk to you next time. Hey, family, if this episode has blessed you, please leave a five-star review and let us know. Tune in next week for the second part of Sophia Spills the Tea. Remember, this season is called Deliverance for Real and for Life. We love you and we will see you next week. You prayed with me. You prayed with me. You prayed with me.